Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun and formal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite, designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. Remember a few years back, gosh, it's hard to remember how long ago it was where there was that big confrontation on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial with that group of Catholic school students, many of them guys, I think they were all boys, I'm not sure, I think they were all boys wearing MAGA hats and the Native American and the group of black Israelites, remember that whole confrontation? Yeah. So there was Nathan Phillips was the Native American elder. Nick Sandman, Sandman was the MAGA hat kid, the smirking kid, as they called him. And then the black Israelites and the black Israelites is that movement that believes that black Americans are the descendants of an ancient Israelite tribe. A lot of shit disturbing going on in that group of that cluster. I remember when Stephen brought me the image of the first time I saw the image and I was seeing people, a lot of my liberal friends posting about this smirk and how disrespectful this MAGA wearing kid, MAGA hat wearing kid was to this native. And the picture that I had was them face to face, like within a few inches from each other's face with a look on the kid's face and a look on Nathan Phillips, the Native American's face. And I remember thinking, well, did that MAGA kid just march up to the Native American or the Native American march up to, and I thought to myself, what if that same picture had the same face, the guy wasn't wearing a MAGA hat, and had the same face on, the kid had the same face, and he was looking at his girlfriend? Would I think of that as a smirk? And I thought, probably not. It was just a face. And then I thought, well, who approached whom? And eventually, various clips came out starting at different times so that it framed the context for how we judge each of the individual people. And it turns out that the Native approached the kid. And there was a lot of back and forth. There was a lot of instigating from the uh, black Israelites, really bad stuff. They called it, I think the black Israelites actually referred to the natives as an uncle Tom Tom or something like that. I mean, it was really, really just a firestorm. And then as things, you know, more and more things came out, I was able to judge each the situation differently. But a lot of my friends once they form that initial judgment, and the MAGA, MAGA hats do help make a lot of assumptions, I have to say, and the native, you know, an elderly native, the, all the imagery of, and all of the oppression and the history and all that plays into it too. Do you remember when you first saw that and what you thought? Had you had the benefit of some more things coming out or did you see it really early on and form a judgment based on just that little initial image? I definitely saw it early on. Probably the MAGA hat influenced my initial quick judgment, but working with you, being privy to all of your wonderful courses, I knew to ask myself questions and not jump to those kinds of conclusions. And I did start to wonder, okay, well, how did we get here? 
who took the picture? What happened beforehand? What were these kids doing there? What was this guy doing here? What were they doing there? So I did start asking myself those questions and more things came out. But I wonder, we all jump to those conclusions and it's like, how do we make that judgment? How do we... How? What? Where are you? What? <laughs> how dare you take my curiosity <laughs> bite and snatch it right from my throat? Well, then what is it specifically? A curiosity bite? Yeah. How do you judge a person? And I'm going to give you a scenario so you can answer. Um, that's, that's good. That's good. Because it's, it's a very generic curiosity bite. Judging a person. All right. So imagine, if you will, you've got a face and it's gender agnostic. So you can't really tell if it's a female or male, woman or man. It's uh, race agnostic, it's ethnicity agnostic, and you are looking at this face. What would you use to judge that person? Ooh, maybe I would start looking at the background or, I don't know, I think that our minds... Our human nature is to find some way to categorize a, a person into something. So whether it was their background or maybe the color of their eyes, I would try to find some way to put them in some type of category. I only gave you those parameters. So there's other parameters I purposely left out of that. In terms of the face, I didn't take everything out. So I just took out gender, ethnicity, and race. So maybe I would judge them by their age, yes. judge them by maybe even their hairstyle, different things like that. It's hard. You uh, just did that decision-making, judging course. Improving your judgment for better decision-making. Yeah. And it's hard to just initially judge. I mean, how do you judge someone and then decide on who they are and make certain decisions about that person. There's some interesting things about bias. We definitely need to be able to judge because if we don't, we can put ourselves in danger. So there's general judging and you, we say, well, don't be judgy. Well, you need to be able to judge whether that car is going so fast that if I cross the street, I might, be, I might collide with that car. So, you know, we're judging all the time. But there's a difference between a judgment mindset and a judgmental mindset. A judgmental mindset makes claims based on limited information. Now, here's the deal. We always make claims on limited information. We all ha have, as a tool, thank God, a judgmental mindset because sometimes we only have time for limited information. But it's when we have more time for judging based on data and information and analysis to get at the heart of a situation and sometimes we revert to a judgmental mindset instead of a judgment mindset because it's easier. And the case of the MAGA hat, it was very easy to use that limited information to make a lot of quick judgments. And just that shift to the judge judgment mindset away from the judgmental mindset by just saying, okay, what are some assumptions I should bust? What are some of the data I'm using? And question some of that and a little bit of analysis just to get at the heart of the situation is really all we can hope for as our poor little human brains are really, really taxed. Is there a way to do that succinctly? Is there a way that we can just look at someone and stop ourselves from being judgmental and have better judgment? Yeah, that's a great question. There is, I call it the good judgment formula. That's good data plus good information plus good analysis 
equals good judgment. And the cool thing about that is that's what leads to good decisions. So I'll give you some examples of how to get good data in, in the moment, just really quickly, just super, super quick. You have something that is confirming. In the case of my story, you have, if you have that inclination toward feeling like MAGA hats are wonderful, you have that. If you have the inclination toward thinking that they are offensive or that they represent future school shooters like the Black Israelites were claiming, then you have that. That's that's confirming information. And all you do very quickly, just very quickly, and it's hard at first, but it becomes like riding a bike, it really does, is look for one piece of this confirming data that challenges your opinion. And my first piece was, look at that guy, that guy in the MAGA hat confronting that poor elder. And then my disconfirming thing was, what if the elder was confronting the guy in the MAGA hat? So just a simple piece of disconfirming in that case. The second thing in how to get good information is what I call forest and tree thinking. Forest is big picture questions and tree questions, detailed picture questions. And you can practice that kind of thing what would be something on a kind of a micro level and then taking a look above, you could see the whole thing with a greater lens, which included the black Israelites, for example, that weren't part of that original picture. That might be a forest question. How is that all affecting? And then the third thing for a good analysis is forward and backward thinking or inversion, which is what does the best outcome look like and what does the worst outcome look like? I think we just talked about this example in one of the courses that just came out on LinkedIn Learning, which was decision-making in high-stress situations. And you are locked out of your car, it's nighttime, you're getting a little edgy, and some person comes and says, hey, I can help you break into your car. Now, obviously, there are a lot of things that you're going to use to judge whether that person, you're going to allow that person to break into your car, but you're also emotionally heightened and so just doing that forward and backward thinking, the best outcome would look like this person helps me break into my car and smiles and says, have a nice day, ma'am, and walks away. And the worst possible outcome is, well, and then what? So those are, that's the good, judge, good judgment formula. And then, of course, there's some other tips and tricks about judging, like at work, like ability, competence, and trustworthiness. You're saying like, if we judge some, like take for instance, the face, like let's say this face came to apply for a job. Mm. Or in the world of virtual distributed work, you are only given a small data set to judge. Right. Uh, because all of the other data is being generated by an algorithm and the human recruiter is only allowed to judge based on these few things. So that is that kind of like a scenario? Exactly, exactly, that's much better. All right, one of the problems with judging people is that we tend to judge competence and trustworthiness at the same time we judge likability. And likability is influenced by similarity. And this is where the affect heuristic comes in. So the affect heuristic is when we judge based on feelings, feelings, like and dislike, like, oh, I love Starbucks coffee, therefore I'm going to invest in Starbucks. Well, the decision to invest in Starbucks really shouldn't be predicated on whether you like Starbucks or not. Like if you're the only one on the planet that likes Starbucks, it's not going to be really relevant to the value of the stock. The key is, just with that little face, and that's why we perpetuate and have less diverse places. We end up becoming silos of sameness and less diverse because likability is tied to similarity, and we inadvertently judge competence and trustworthiness at the same time we judge likability 
And so we end up hiring people that look like us. I mean, it's just, it's just a vicious cycle. So one of the things is this thing I call to ask CPR questions. Hmm. CPR questions is how to resuscitate your thinking is start by judging likability and competence and trustworthiness separately. And you can judge trustworthiness by asking these three CPR questions. One, is their behavior consistent? Number two, is their behavior predictable? Because there is a level of predictability that is required to trust someone. I mean, it seems weird because you don't want to be too predictable, but unpredictability does not correlate with being, I mean, if I can't predict what you're going to do, then I can't really trust that I know what you're going to do. I mean, I can't trust you entirely. Well, it seems like consistency and predictability could go hand in hand, too. And the third one, the, the, the R can go hand in hand, too. Reliability. Right. PR and believe me, because if you're consistent, then I'm going to have a higher level of predictability. But maybe I'm seeing consistent patterns where I shouldn't. And so you try to, you really try to tease each of these cardiopulmonary resuscitations <laughs> separately. So consistency and predictability and reliability all relate, but they're different. And it's nice to think of the CPR. Like, am I doing, am I thinking of CPR when I'm judging trustworthiness? But I really like that person. That's it's totally awesome to trust people you like. It is not awesome to necessarily, and it's not necessary, rather, I should say, to like people you trust. Yeah, not, the people you like might not necessarily be consistently reliable. <laughs> like, but they, you might, you, maybe you shouldn't, and you can like people you trust, but maybe right. you yeah, right. So these are some things. These are just tools to and listen. We are pattern makers. These heuristics or biases, they help us make sense of the world. And the key isn't to try to overcome them at every step or beat yourself up. The key is to know what they are, identify them and not allow them to have total control over your life. And you can see how prejudice, whether it's racial, ageist, ethnic, mindset, viewpoint, because the similarity factor in likability is so strong. And if we don't realize that we need to judge likability separately, separate from competence and trustworthiness, then we can get into a very, very dangerous pattern that looks like not just implicit bias, it's explicit prejudice. I mean, explicit bias. Yeah, this is so important, especially right now with everything that's going on really take a step back and have better judgment. Well, it's also, you would think that, you know, maybe you don't go back as far as Rodney King, but you could go back as far as Trayvon Martin. And some of these horrific police brutality against African-American citizens, I mean, it has been going on long enough. How many data points do we need? And maybe while we work on this issue, from a racial equality, understanding privilege, which is so important, not exclusive, not enough, but so important, and understanding all of the systemic things that go into the inequality, maybe the solution, while we're doing all that, resides outside of that. And that's a hard thing to say, because then People think, well, then you're diminishing the things we're working on. You're diminishing the importance of privilege. You're diminishing seeing how this country would not exist if not for African-American slaves and seeing how redlining and being able to invest in real estate 100 years ago directly correlates to your 
wealth and influence today. All of that. True, true, true. And the solution may reside outside of that. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to look at because some of the things might not be pleasant to think about. No, they're not pleasant to think about. And the question is, do we want to feel good or do we want to solve the problem? And feeling good may take precedence over solving the problem. It's just, it's, it's a lot of things that we are contending with are not going to be solved through ration, are not going to necessarily be solved through complete rational thinking. We also have to think about the things that are, that, that we, the way we feel. And uh, we got to get through the day, you know, <laughs> in a lot of ways. I am thinking of doing an episode and, you know, you and I have kind of touched on this uh, about this issue and a very unusual solution. But I think we need to wait until the emotions are um, not as, I mean, right now we are one step away from martial law as we speak. Yeah. So I think, but once we get to the point where things calm down and the problem is there's just incident after incident, I would love to do an episode that explores what I would call, again, the minimum viable solution to this. And uh, in a conversation with Dane, I, it's probably one of the most profound insights I've ever heard him have. So I will. Ooh. Anyway, we'll would we do it on here or would we do it on your uh, LinkedIn? LinkedIn Live. Live. The reason I think we would do it here as opposed to LinkedIn Live is LinkedIn Live is really a, a majorly international audience. And this is an American issue, really. It's really, I mean, we think about it. We think, oh, my God, this is our world. But the cool thing about LinkedIn Live is there's a lot going on in India. There's a lot going on in Bangladesh, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, China that gets ignored. And the thing about LinkedIn Live is it's the good thinking and it's it's really nationally agnostic. Okay, should I lighten the lighten the load a little bit? <laughs> Bring on your list, Shvesta. <laughs> I'm going to ask you some celebrity. I'm going to mention some celebrities and you are going to tell me how you judge that celebrity. Oh, what do you judge them as a nice person or do you judge them as a not nice person? All right, I'm glad you gave me those parameters because I am not one to necessarily use nice or not nice as a as the number one barometer for whether I judge them favorably or not favorably. Right. If they're celebrities, I'm going to just tell you how I'm going to think about it before you even tell me so I can kind of like frame it for myself. Good. If they're celebrities, I'm judging them as celebrities. And then if they are celebrities in a particular area, like if they were a political celebrity or a sports celebrity or a musician or an actor or something or comedian, whatever they are, I don't know, then I would judge them based on that lens. On their talent or whatever, right? I may not want to be best friends with them. Yeah. And I judge them favorably, but I might not think they're nice. I mean, so uh, you want me to kind of talk about nice or not nice? In this yeah, just you're, you're judging them. You don't have, again, you're saying, you as you were saying, you don't have all of the parameters to judge someone. So you're just going to have to judge them based on what you know of them as a celebrity. No, but I mean, you're asking me to judge them specifically whether they're nice or not nice, not whether right. favorable or unfavorable. Right, 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 right. The first one I have is Jay Leno. Jay Leno. He seems like a nice person. I'm thinking. I got to think out loud because, you know, that's what this mm -hmm. is. He seems like a nice person. I don't think he's, I mean, he ain't no Dave Chappelle. No. I don't really think he's super funny. But 
he's also a certain kind of funny, like a late night talk show funny. Uh and I know that there was some major politics where he came out on top, but that could happen to anyone. I think he's probably, I'm going to judge him to be nice. Take this with a grain of salt. But uh, Jay Leno consistently makes Autograph Magazine's top 10 signers list, which means he autographs people all the time. He doesn't deny them autographs. And he announced that he would be throwing a free comedy night in Detroit for anyone who suffered economic blow as a result of the worsening economy. So he's considered nice. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, that makes, that, that well, makes so sense. It's funny because I, mean, I personally have never been a Jay Leno fan and, and not because he, of his talent or anything like that, because I just made a snap judgment about him. I don't like him. For some reason, don't ask me why. I just, I would have guessed that he was not a nice person. Maybe it's because of the stuff that happened uh, with the Tonight Show or the Late Night Show, whichever one it was. And maybe I, that influenced me a little bit. And I, uh, but I also assumed that he was the bad one. For some reason, I just thought that Jay Leno wouldn't be nice. Now, you said something and I want to get, I want to, I'm curious about something. You said, you start by saying, I just don't yeah. like him. And that, do you consider that an automatic measurement for whether you think that they're nice? In other words, like if you say you don't like someone, does that mean you think that they're not nice? Not always. But in this particular case, when I said I didn't like him, it has nothing to do with his talent or any of his shows or anything. When you say you don't like him, you're also saying you don't think he you didn't you wouldn't have thought he's right. nice in that particular right. instance. OK, next one. How would you judge Sandra Bullock? Do you think she's nice or not nice? She seems nice. She's adopted kids. She has a pleasant face. She seems down to earth. She doesn't, you don't hear about her like with Reese Witherspoon <laughs> where she was by a police officer and she said, do you know who I am? And those kinds of things where people show their true I think I'm a kind of nice person, but if I was bothered and bothered, I think, I bet you if I was like a super famous person, people would say I wasn't nice because if people bothered me and whatever, with, I would try to sign autographs, but it would never be enough and blah, blah, blah. So I think, all right, I'm going to say this about Sandra Bullock. Because the expectation is so high for Sandra Bullock to be nice, I think she's nice. But I bet you, and I wouldn't be surprised if the expectations were so high that like with Simon Cowell on American Idol, you don't think he's very nice. So if he was a little jerky, it wouldn't deviate from your expectation that much. You would just be like, that's Simon Cowell. But I think if Sandra Bullock was a little jerky, it would deviate so much from your expectation that people would say she was a jerk. Mom and I were down in Palm Springs at a bus stop and we ran into Bob Hope's window washer. and. <laughs> that that is one degree of separation from practical fame <laughs> and he told us that bob hope was an asshole <laughs> i never knew why i just knew he called him the asshole like if dad said oh the asshole we knew it was exactly bob hope. and that's where it came from <laughs> poor bob hope <laughs> all he wanted to do was the to tell the guy don't leave those streaks <laughs> all over exactly <laughs> but anyway sandra bullock it's funny about her because I looked at all these websites and she was always, she always made the not nice list. 
And this one particular incident was a fan said that her husband, who was wheelchair bound, he was a wheelchair bound veteran, and Sandra Bullock was asked to sign an autograph for him, and she yelled at him and berated him. And the woman was like, I knew that Sandra Bullock was busy, but I just didn't think it was necessary that she had to, you know, scream at him. Well, maybe don't approach her in the bathroom stall. <laughs> I know that's happened before for some people. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I've been approached by a friend in a bathroom stall. I'm like, girl. <laughs> I always approach you in a bathroom stall. It's the best way to get you. You're gossiping with me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about Adam Levine? Adam Levine is the uh, guy. He's the head of Maroon 5 and is on that. One of those talent shows. Yeah, turn around shows with that guy who's dating Gwen right. Stefani. Not Gwen, Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani, yeah. yeah. yeah turn around shows. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> All right. But Adam Levine, I think he would be considered to have moves like yeah. Jagger. The expectation for Adam Levine would be in line with who he is. I think when people have such a high expectation for someone to be nice, it's the higher you go, the lower you fall. I think Adam Levine would be considered nice. Well, again, take it with a grain of salt, but he once was asked by a fan to sign an autograph and he said, <laughs> I don't give autographs to ugly chicks. <laughs> that's not nice. No, that's not nice. But that data point of one is not very nice. But make sure if you have a policy that you're not going <laughs> to give autographs to ugly chicks, maybe you just don't give autographs. Yeah. <laughs> Next one, Sarah Jessica Parker. I really like Sarah Jessica Especially Parker. when she was in Square Pegs. No, I didn't really like that. I, I liked her in Sex and the City. I really did. I liked her in Sex and the City. I mean, I, I know it's cliche, but if you put a, a Cosmopolitan in front of me right now, I'd probably drink it, sit with you, and easily watch 12 episodes of Sex and the City while the rest of the country burns. <laughs> crap hole of the United States in every way from the viruses to the racial and I would just be sitting there just trying to wash my tears away with Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker and a Cosmo and I don't even like vodka, I know that's what so I was going to say you don't even drink vodka and I would do it I would do it for Sarah and I love she's married to Matthew Broderick and they kind of you know there's certain they've had their ups and downs <laughs> you know I still get Dad's People magazine so I'm in the a little bit in the loop I would I guess, my guess, well, let me say this. Sarah Jessica Parker is smart. So my guess would be that she would understand and be in tuned to the expectations people have for her, and she would be cognizant of making every effort to match their expectations. So I'm going to say nice. I love that assessment because I think that is what the report on her is. It's more like she is aware of her reputation. And so she takes extra steps to make sure that she is perceived nice. On the set, she makes sure that no one's put out. So she always goes out of her way to help and not put burden on the staff. And she always, uh, people say that she's not phony and makes herself accessible to, to fans and stuff like that. So I think you're absolutely right in that judgment. Yeah, I think it has to do with how smart you are and how well, how well you understand people's expectations. And then you really try to manage their expectations so that you manage your reputation. Okay. How about Ed Sheeran? Oh, he has orange hair. <laughs> That's mostly what he's known for, I think. 
I actually like his music, and especially since he's getting more toward the hip hop collaborative yeah. stuff. I think because he's not really good looking. I mean, he's not ugly, but he's not really, really good looking. So he didn't come up with that as his fallback. People who are good looking get a lot. They need to recognize that looks are privileged too. So I don't think he had that. And now he's got his talent. I am going to guess that I'm going to guess that he's nice. In the realm of other musicians, you know, as a musician, like I would think he would be considered nice. Yep. Uh, He's known to have surprised fans with hospital visits to wedding day wishes. He was on BuzzFeed for one of the nicest people. Part of it is, I think, the the expectation of accessibility. So if you are someone for whom your role has become such that it would be expected that certain levels of people would have access to you, but other levels wouldn't. Like your fans wouldn't. But at first your fans would because you're playing in coffee shops and your fans can, you want your fans to share with you and you want to engage. And then you get to the level where you're doing a small venue and maybe certain fans, your super fans have access. So I think the, with, with celebrity, one of the things is expectation of access. If you really are uh, the expectation is low that you would reach out to someone or respond to someone and you do people go oh my god you're so nice whether and then maybe if the expectation was that you probably wouldn't reach out to someone and you didn't it would be a neutral yeah 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 what about rihanna rihanna umbrella uh, umbrella umbrella ella 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 um rihanna has had a lot of of crap (laughs) chris brown her judgment isn't that good. So I'm going to say she seems nice to me. I mean, nice enough. But my guess is because she doesn't have good judgment. I mean, that's not a very nice thing to say, but I would probably not the best judgment, not the best. One could su- say that she would not be managing expectations appropriately. So I would that she would not be considered nice. And that's the report. There was this 16-year-old girl who made a prom dress, made her own prom dress based on one of Rihanna's outfits. And Rihanna tweeted a side-by-side photos of her and the girl and hashtagged it like prom bat and said that she would like totally made fun of her, called her the dark thought rises. And it was really mean. Why be mean to one of your fans who made their own dress based off of one that, of their outfits. Bad judgment. They're not very nice. That's bad judgment. And sometimes it's not that, I mean, none of us are nice all the time or mean all the time, but it's about being smart enough to manage expectations. So understanding how people judge you and managing your reputation is a kind of awareness. And sometimes in the moment, you just want to lash out because it feels good in the moment, but you have to think of, especially if if you're being paid based on how other people perceive you to that degree, like a celebrity, their wallet is lined by their fans. So you can say, I don't care what people think, but not if you're a celebrity, because if you don't care what people think, then you're not going to get paid. So I would, yeah, that's interesting. It I, doesn't surprise me about Rihanna. How would you judge Pierce Brosnan? My guess, I don't really know much about him, but if I, so I'm judging based on limited information. Right. I'm going to judge him unfavorably, and I'll tell you why. I think he's not going to be judged as a nice person because he's very good looking, and I think very good looking people have 
higher expectations. Like they have to meet people and be even nicer. Whereas it's kind of like they say, you know, unattractive men are better in bed. <laughs> they have more to prove. You know, that's like a cliche, but it's based on the same crazy <laughs> thinking. And I would venture to guess that people already think he's unattainable. So he would have a much higher requirement for being nice. And he's probably not a rocket scientist, so he probably doesn't really think about that. He's had a lot of doors open for him because of his beauty. So I'm going to say he's probably not judged as being very nice. Well, according to the television host, James Corden, Pierce Brosnan is the rudest celebrity he has ever met. According to Corden, he shoved him at a U2 concert one time. And so he hates him. One last one. One last one. And again, how do you judge LeBron James, NBA star? I judge him to be very tall. LeBron James, <laughs> there's a, LeBron James, there's a lot about him because he is kind of a love-hate. He has been in and out of different cities. He has just different cities. I can't remember all the various that he's done. But anyway, he's so talented and he has been so giving, but... The question is, has he given enough? And, you know, he's not, a, he, he's not attractive. Yeah, but that's not where, that's not important because he's not, that's not, to be an actor, that's a different story. He's always been tall. He's always been a, an incredible athlete. He's not ugly. I mean, some people might say he is, but I don't think he's ugly. But he's not, he's not, he's not playing in a sandbox that, requires beauty he's playing in a sandbox that requires talent and i guess he was probably always talented i'm gonna say i think he might be judged as nice he's given a lot away i'm just gonna get nice that's the consensus yes lebron james has the lebron james family foundation uh, and gives away a lot of money he also opened the i promise school a public school that provides free meals bikes and college tuition to students yeah so that's nice are you ready for the sort of fact i am all right apologize in advance there's a little bit of glitchiness with our zoom interview today one of the things that i would say is that doing it on a saturday is probably not as good an idea but if we do it on a friday afternoon everyone's zooming their cocktail hour our internet gets ramped down, so we've had a little glitchiness in the sound quality. There's only so much work our sound engineer can, only so much magic they can perform. But we're trying. The sort of fact is, and this is out of a very prestigious online university, one could argue that that might be redundant because perhaps universities will all be online from now in perpetuity. But this is from P-O-U. P-O-U. How'd you know? Were you privy to the sort of fact? <laughs> the sort of fact found that 87% of all subjects claimed that they use far fewer biases in judging others than everyone else. Courtesy of sort of facts. Thanks for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's 
there that will wait to read your answers to each week's Curiosity Bite. Two, in order to avoid missing Curiosity Bitten conversations, subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Applied Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to ApplyCuriosityLab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.